section five of the rover volume one number nineteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the rover volume one number nineteen edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section five lady betty's pocket-book by the author of the lovers quarrels into it knight thou must not look scott i passed my five-and-twentieth birthday at oakenshade sweet sentimental age dear deeply regretted place oakenshade is the fairest child of father tim's from gloucestershire to blackwall she is the very queen of cottages for she has fourteen best bedrooms and stabling for squadron her trees are the finest in europe and her inhabitants the fairest in the world her old mistress is the lady beautiful of the country and her young mistresses are its pride lady barbara is black-eyed and hyacinthine lady betty blue-eyed and madonna-like in situations of this kind it is absolutely necessary for a man to fall in love and in due compliance with the established custom i fell in love both with lady betty and lady barbara now barbara was a soft-hearted high-minded rogue and pretended as i thought not to care for me that she might not interfere with the interests of her sister and betty was a reckless giddy-witted baggage who cared for nobody and nothing upon earth except the delightful occupation of doing what she pleased accordingly we became the romeo and juliet of the place excepting that i never could sigh and she never could apostrophize nevertheless we loved terribly oh what a time was that i will just give a sample of a day we rose at seven it was july and wandered among moss roses velvet lawns and sequestered summer-houses till the lady mother summoned us to the breakfast-table i know not how it was but the footman on these occasions always found dear barbara absent on a butterfly chase gathering flowers or feeding her pet robin and betty and myself on a sweet honeysuckle seat just large enough to hold two and hidden round a happy corner as snug as a bird's nest the moment the villain came within hearing i used to begin in an audible voice to discourse upon the beauties of nature and betty allowed me to be the best moral philosopher of the age after breakfast we used to retire to the young lady's study in which blessed retreat i filled some hundred pages of their albums while betty looked over my shoulder and barbara hammered with all her might upon the grand piano that we might not be afraid to talk i was acknowledged to be the prince of poets and riddle-mongers and in the graphic art i was a prodigy perfectly unrivalled sans doute i was a little overrated my riddles were so plain and my metaphors so puzzling and then my trees were like mountains and my men were like monkeys but love had such penetrating optics lady betty could perceive beauties to which the rest of the world were perfectly blind then followed our equestrian exercises 
now barbara was a good horsewoman and betty was a bad one consequently barbara rode a pony and betty rode a donkey consequently barbara rode a mile before and betty rode a mile behind and consequently it was absolutely necessary for me to keep fast hold of betty's hand for fear she should tumble off thus did we journey through wood and through valley by flood and by field through the loveliest and most love-making scenes that ever figured in rhyme or on canvas the trees never looked so green the flowers never smelt so sweetly and the exercise and the fears of her high-mettled palfrey gave my companion a blush which is quite beyond the reach of simile of course we always lost ourselves and trusted to barbara to guide us home at dinner the lady mother would inquire what had become of us but none of us could tell where we had been excepting barbara why betty my dear you understood our geography well enough when you were guide to our good old friend the general ah but betty found it was quite a different thing to be guide to her good young friend the captain and her explanation was generally a zigzag sort of performance which outdid the best riddle of her album it was the custom of the lady mother to take a nap after dinner and having a due regard for her we always left her to this enjoyment as soon as possible sometimes we floated in a little skiff down the broad and tranquil river which kindled by the setting sun moved onward like a stream of fire turning our voices to glees and duets till the nightingales themselves were astonished oh the witchery of bright eyes at sunset and music on the water sometimes we stole through the cavernous recesses of the old oak wood conjuring up fawns and satyrs at every step and sending barbara to detect the deceptions and play at hide-and-seek with us at last our mistress the moon would open her eye and warn us home where on the little study sofa we watched her progress and repeated sweet poesy many a time did i long to break the footman's head when he brought the lights and announced the tea the lady mother never slept after this and the business of the day was ended things went on in this way for a week or ten days and lady betty appeared to have less spirits and a more serious and languid air than heretofore there was now nothing hoydenish in her behaviour and instead of the upper lip curling with scorn the under one was dropping with sentiment her voice was not so loud and fell in a gentler cadence and the madonna braid was festooned with a more exquisite grace when i besought her to let me hear the subject of her thoughts the little budget was always of so mournful a description that i could not choose but use my tenderest mode of comforting her she had she knew not why become more serious she supposed it was because she was growing older she hoped it was because she was growing better in fine she had determined to mend her life and appointed me master of the ceremonies to her conscience which sooth to say had been in an awful state of anarchy i could not of course have any doubt that my sweet society had been the cause of this metamorphosis and i congratulated myself with fervency she was becoming the very pattern for a wife and i contemplated in her the partner of my declining years the soother of my cares the mother of my children it was cruel to postpone my declaration but though i have no scotch blood in my veins i was always a little given to caution lady betty had been a sad madcap and might not this be a mere freak of the moment besides there was a charm about the very uncertainty which 
a declared lover has no idea of so i determined to observe and act with deliberation our pastimes continued the same as before and our later changes of kindness increased among other things lady betty signalized me by a purse and pencil-case and in return was troubled with an extreme longing for a lilac and gold pocket-book in which i was rash enough to note down my fugitive thoughts it had been given me by no matter whom there was nothing on earth that i would not have sacrificed to lady betty she received it in both her hands passed it to her bosom and promised faithfully that she would pursue the plan i had adopted in it casting up her delinquences at the end of the year to see what might be amended alas the pinnacle of happiness is but a sorrow resting-place from which the chief occupation of mankind is to push one another headlong of my own case i have particular reason to complain for i was precipitated from the midst of my burning palpitating existence by the veriest blockhead in life he came upon us like the simoon devastating every green spot in his progress and leaving our hearts a blank in short he was a spark of quality who drove four bloods and cut his own coats his visage was dangerously dissipated and cadaverous his figure as taper as a fishing rod and his manner had a je ne sais quoi of languid impertinence which was a great deal overwhelming altogether he was a gallant whose incursion would have caused me very considerable uneasiness had i not felt secure that my mistress was already won i shall never forget the bustle which was occasioned by the arrival of this worthy he was some sort of a connection of the lady mother thought himself privileged to come without invitation and declared his intention of remaining till he was tired he ordered the servants about and gave directions for his accommodation precisely as if he had been at home and scarcely deigned to tender his forefinger to the ladies till he had made himself perfectly comfortable when i was introduced from the background from which i had been scowling with indignation and amazement he regarded my commonplace appearance with careless contempt made me a bow as cold as if it had come from lapland and in return received one from the north pole i considered that he was usurping all my rights in the establishment perfect freedom with betty and barbara were a violation of my private property and i even grudged him his jokes with the lady mother we were foes from first sight lady betty saw how the spirit was working within me and hastened to prevent its effervescence she gave me one of her overpowering looks and besought me to assist her in being civil to him for in truth the attentions of common politeness had already completely exhausted her i was quite charmed with the vexation she felt at his intrusion and loved her a thousand times better because she detested him his visit indeed had such an effect upon her that before the day was over she complained to me in consequence of being seriously unwell from this time the whole tenor of our amusements was revolutionized lady betty's illness was not fancied she was too weak to ride her donkey too qualmish to go inside the barouche which was turned out every day to keep the bloods in wind and nothing agreed with her delicate health but being mounted on the box beside lord s the evenings passed off as heavily as the mornings lady barbara used to ask me to take the usual stroll with her and lady betty being afraid to venture upon the damp grass was again left to the mercy of lord s to whom walking was a low-lifed amusement for which he had no taste the lady mother as usual had her sleeping fits 
and when we returned we invariably found things in disorder the candles had not been lighted the tea-things had not been brought in and lord s had turned sulky with his bottle and was sitting quietly with lady betty i felt for her more than i can express and could not for the life of me conceive where she picked up patience to be civil to him she even affected to be delighted with his conversation and her good breeding was beyond all praise with such an example of endurance before me and the pacific promise which i had made i could not avoid wearing a benevolent aspect indeed though the enemy had effectually cut off the direct communication of sentiment between us i was not altogether without my triumphs and secret satisfactions the general outline which i have given was occasionally intersected with little episodes which were quite charming for instance lady betty used constantly to employ me upon errands to her mother who was usually absent in the private room manufacturing caudle and flannel petticoats for the workhouse when i returned she would dispatch me to her sister who required my advice upon her drawing in the study and thus lord s could not fail to observe the familiar terms we were upon and that we perfectly understood each other what gave me more pleasure than all was that he must see i had no fears of leaving my liege lady alone with him which must have galled him to the quick when she had no other means of showing her devotion to me she would produce the lilac pocket-book and pursue the work of amendment which i had suggested to her indeed this was done with a regularity which when i considered her former harebrained character i knew could only be sustained by the most ardent attachment my pride and my passion increased daily at last by a happy reverse of fortune i was led to look for the termination of my trials lord s was a personage of too great importance to the nation to be permitted to enjoy his own peace and quiet and his bilious visage was required to countenance mighty concerns in other parts his dressing-case was packed up and the barouche was ordered to the door but poor lady betty was still doomed to be a sufferer she was somehow or other hampered with an engagement to ride with him as far as the village in order to pay a visit for her mother to the charity school and i saw her borne off the most bewitching example of patience and resignation i did not offer to accompany them for i thought it would have looked like jealousy but engaged in answer to a sweetly whispered invitation to meet her in her walk back when i returned to the drawing-room barbara and the lady-mother were absent on their usual occupations and i sat down for a moment of happy reflection on the delights which awaited me my heart was tingling with anticipation and every thought was poetry a scrap of paper lay upon the table and was presently enriched with a sonnet on each side which i had the vanity to think were quite good enough to be transferred to lady betty's most beloved and lilac pocket-book i raised my eyes and lo in the bustle of parting with lord s she had forgotten to deposit it in her desk what an agreeable surprise it would be for her to find how i had been employed how fondly would she thank me for such a delicate mode of showing my attention the sonnets were written in my best hand and i was about to close the book when i was struck with the extreme beauty of lady betty's calligraphy might i venture to peruse a page or so and enjoy the luxury of knowing her private thoughts of me nay was it not evidently a sweet little finesse to teach me the secrets of her heart and should i not mortify her exceedingly if i neglected to take advantage of it this reflection was quite sufficient and i commenced the chronicle of her innocent cogitations forthwith it began with noting the day of the month on which i had presented the gift and stated prettily the plan of improvement which i had suggested 
the very first memorandum contained her reasons for loving her dear m i pressed the book to my lips and proceeded to reason the first a good temper is better in a companion than a great wit if dear m is deficient in the latter it is not his fault and his excellence in the former makes ample amends how as much as to say i am a good-natured fool whereas there no other construction no error of the press none the context assured me that i was not mistaken reason the second personal beauty is not requisite in a husband and if he is a little mistaken in his estimate of himself in this respect it will make him happy and save me the trouble of laboring for that end conceited and ill-favored my head began to swim reason the third i have been told that very passionate attachments between married people are productive of much disquietude and jealousy the temperate regard therefore which i feel for dear m argues well for the serenity of our lives heigh-ho furies reason the fourth i have sometimes doubted whether this temperate regard he be really love but as pity is next akin to love and i pity him on so many points i think i cannot be mistaken pity one exclamation mark reason the fifth i pity him because it is necessary that i should place him on the shelf during lord s s visit for fear s should be discouraged by appearances and not make the declaration which i have been so long expecting place me on the shelf two exclamation marks reason the sixth i pity him because if s really comes forward i shall be obliged to submit poor dear m to the mortification of a dismissal three exclamation marks reason the seventh i pity him because he is so extremely kind and obliging in quitting the room whenever his presence becomes troublesome four exclamation marks reason the eighth i pity him because his great confidence in my affection makes him appear so ridiculous and because s laughs at him five exclamation marks reason the ninth i pity him because if i do ultimately marry him s will tell everybody that it is only because i could not obtain the barouche and four hi hi ho six exclamation marks reason the tenth i pity him because he has so kindly consented to meet me on my return from the charity school without once suspecting that i go to give s a last opportunity he is really a very good young man ah well a day and ah well a day six exclamation marks etc etc let no man henceforth endeavour to enjoy the luxury of his mistress's secret thoughts i closed the book and walked to the window the river flowed temptingly beneath would it be best to drown myself or shoot myself or would it be best to take horse after the barouche and shoot lord s i was puzzled with the alternatives it was absolutely necessary that somebody should be put to death but my confusion was too great to decide upon the victim at this critical juncture of my fate when i was wavering between the gallows and a grave where four roads meet lady barbara came dancing in to request my assistance upon her drawing she was petrified at my suicidal appearance and indeed seemed in doubt whether the act of immolation had not been already effected her fears rushed in crimson to her cheeks as she inquired the cause of my disorder and her beauty and the interesting concern she expressed cast an entire new light upon me i would be revenged on lady betty in a manner far more cutting than either drowning or shooting barbara was the prettiest by far barbara was the best by infinity sweet simple gentle barbara how generously had she 
sacrificed her feelings and given me up to her sister how happy was i to have it in my power to reward her for it she now should be the partner of my declining years the soother of my cares the mother of my children and as for lady betty i renounced her i found that my heart had all along been barbarous and i congratulated myself upon being brought to my senses the business was soon opened and we were all eloquence and blushes i expressed my warm admiration of her self-denial and affection for her sister hinted at my knowledge of her sentiments for myself explained every particular of my passion prospects and genealogy fixed upon her place of residence and allotted her pin-money it was now barbara's turn she was confused she was distressed she feared she hoped she knew not what to say she paused for composure and i waited in an ecstasy why i exclaimed why will you hesitate my own my gentle barbara let me not lose one delicious word of this heavenly confession barbara regained her courage indeed then indeed and indeed i've been engaged to my cousin for more than three years this was a stroke upon which i had never once calculated and my astonishment was awful barbara then was not in love with me after all and the concern which i had felt for her blighted affections was altogether erroneous i had made the proposal to be revenged on lady betty and my disappointment had completely turned the tables upon me instead of bringing her to shame i was ashamed of myself and my mortification made me feel as though she had heaped a new injury upon me what i said upon the occasion i cannot precisely remember and if i could i doubt whether my reader would be able to make head or tail of it i concluded however with my compliments to the lady mother and an urgent necessity to decamp barbara knew not whether she ought to laugh or cry i gave her no time to recover herself for betty would be home presently and it was material to be off before they had an opportunity of comparing notes in three minutes i was mounted on my horse and again ruminating on the various advantages of hanging drowning and shooting i thought i had got clear off but at the end of the lawn i was fated to encounter the bewitching smile of lady betty on her return from the village her words were brimming with tenderness and her delight to be rid of that odious lord s was beyond measure it had quite restored her health she was able to recommence her rides and would order the donkey to be got ready immediately so then it appeared that the drive to the charity school had not answered the purpose after all and i was to be the locum tenens of lady betty's affection till the arrival of a new acquaintance i know not whether my constitution is different from that of other people a pretty face is certainly a terrible criterion of a man's resolution but for the honour of manhood i contrived for once to be superior to its fascinations to adhere strictly to truth i must confess however humiliating the confession may be that this dignified behaviour was very materially sustained by the transactions with lady barbara for the consequence of whose communications there was no answering i declined the donkey ride looked a most explanatory look of reproach and declared my necessity of returning to town lady betty was amazed remonstrated entreated looked like an angel and finally put her handkerchief to her eyes there was no standing this i go said i i go because it is proper to quit whenever my presence becomes troublesome i will not oblige you to put me on the shelf i will not be too encroaching upon your temperate regard hi hi ho with that i plunged my spurs into my steed and vanished at full gallop it was long before i heard anything more of oakenshade or its inhabitants in the middle of the following december i received a piece of wedding-cake from the gentle barbara and in the same packet a letter from lady betty she had written instead of mamma 
who was troubled with a gouty affection in the hand she spoke much and i have no doubt sincerely of the cruel separation from her sister touched feelingly upon the happiness of the time i had spent at oakenshade and trusted she might venture to claim a week of me at christmas she was truly sorry that she had no inducement to hold out beyond the satisfaction of communicating happiness which she knew was always a paramount feeling with me she was all alone and wretched in the long evenings when mamma went to sleep and reverted plaintively and prettily to the little study and the ghost stories as for the lilac pocket-book she had cast up her follies and misdemeanors and found the total even before the end of the year so full of shame and repentance that she had incontinently thrown it into the fire trusting to my kindness to give her another with fresh advice dear lady betty my resentment was long gone by i had long felt a conviction that her little follies were blameless and not at all uncommon and i vowed that had her happiness depended upon me i would have done anything to ensure it i was obliged however to send an excuse for the present for i had only been married a week End of section five.